<laughs> Quit. I am so excited for today. <laughs> Have we started? I'm, yeah, but I'm, oh. I just want to let you know I'm so excited. You're excited for today? Yes. Well, let's first start off. Uh, this is a long time ago. Welcome back, everyone. Hi. Did you miss us? We missed you. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm Sarah. I'm Rebecca. And today is my turn. <laughs> and I'm so excited where we're going. Okay. Where are we going? Kyo wa Nihon ikimasu! Woohoo! I'm so excited! We're going to Japan! Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. And it's a special one too because they happened a long time ago, so... Oh, I missed an opportunity. They happened a long crime ago. I know. <laughs> Dang. No. no. Wow. All right, rewind. <laughs> this happened a long crime ago, so there's not much to, to like, for these guys to, there's not enough <laughs> information. So I am doing a double feature. I'm doing, <gasps> dun, dun, dun. I'm doing two people. A double feature? Yes. Okay. Uh, f- I'm, the first one I'm going to talk about is the Hamamatsu killer. His name is Nakamura Seisaku. Okay. So we'll go with him first. So he was born in 1924 in Hamamatsu, which is a coastal city in the Shizuoka prefecture of Honshu, which is the largest island of Japan. Okay. Um, they, he was raised in a relatively middle-class family. He was a very intelligent and upstanding child, and he received high marks at school. Uh, his life at home and school were pretty much like they were pretty difficult with his family because they treated him really poorly. Oh. And and he was um, he's he, in his own testimony he was a social outcast so he didn't have many friends. Oh. Um, he, he we say oh but wait oh, for it. Okay. So Uh-oh. he de- because he didn't have any friends and he didn't go out very often he developed a really unhealthy obsession of swords and he immersed himself oh. yeah which. I mean, mm-hmm. who can blame him? <laughs> right. You, you like swords, too. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, I don't have any. I have a wooden one. Oh, oh. But I don't have any real ones anymore. I got rid of them. Oh. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. They were they were a gift. <laughs> uh, uh, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I don't have them anymore. Okay, so... <laughs> so he would immerse himself like in the samurai culture. So he okay. like he would he loved movies featuring samurai, ninjas, assassins, and anything that would brutally kill their victims with katanas. Ooh. He was a fan. Yikes. So even though even though he depicted like a public persona of politeness, he was like really nice. Everyone thought he was a good kid. He had violent tendencies and would often put his anger at his family who grew to fear him. So his oh. own family was afraid of him. Well, so, I mean, they're not f- making fun of him now. No. Well, hey. he was 14 years old when he committed his first known murders. Whoa. His first known murders. Because, wait till I, like, tell you more about this. Because this is, oh, remember, no. this is, like, 1930s Japan now. Okay. So, as far as we know, after these murders, Nakamura went, like, like he, in 1938, like, he attempted to rape two women. Oh. Not sure whether these incidents took place together or separately. I'm not sure. But the woman fought back, and he ended up stabbing them to death. Oh, so, as, as, like I said, as far as we know, after these murders, Nakamura went silent for two years before his next crimes. So, we, who knows? So, on August 18th, 1941, he's now 17. He attacked two more women with a knife. 
killing one and injuring another. Again, oh, I'm like, I'm man. not sure if they were together or separate okay. or if it just happened to be the same day. Okay. So then two days later, three bodies were found brutally stabbed. Three. So at this point, and you're probably like, why aren't the police doing anything? What's going on? <clears throat> oh. So <laughs> I'll tell you in a minute. So... Like at the point, at this point, the police had a description of the killer from the survivor, and they had their their suspicions of Nakamura, but instead of letting the public know of the murders, they tried to cover them up to avoid panic. Oh no! So remember though, like all this was going on during World War II, so most of Japan's oh. manpower went to like like they were trying to like keep it quiet, don't want to publish any info, so like. And the little thing was, like, nothing was getting done in solving this or publishing info about his crimes. So people didn't even know about this. Like, they weren't publishing it, so no one knew about it. So all these bodies are popping up. No one knows. Well, yeah, and all these women are walking around thinking they're okay. Yeah, because they're trying to make everything totally... Man. But I wouldn't know what it was like back in, like, war times. True, Because they're like, we're focused on the war. Well, also, that that didn't happen. Like, I mean, mean, we went to Japan. That stuff just doesn't... I happen. Like, I, I mean, know. I love Japan. I yes, truly, honestly do. If you've never been, no, add it to your bucket list. Please, it's beautiful. It's clean. I have never seen such a clean truck stop bathroom in my entire <laughs> it's life. Amazing. The whole thing was just bleached white. It smelled beautiful. <laughs> I loved it so much. Literally wanted to go back and get my camera. To take a picture she of a bathroom. Really, she really did. We were like, no, do not take a I picture. left it in the I left it in the the charter bus because I'm like, we're just gonna go run in and go to the bathroom. But we walked in and we were like, wow. Oh my god. So after that I never left my camera alone. Like it was constantly even if we stopped to go to the bathroom, I brought my camera. Yeah, we took pictures of everything. It, it was, was so beautiful. Great. It was great. And, and but we didn't hit up we were on Honshu, which is where we were, because we went to Osaka, oh, we went to Tokyo, what? and we went to Kyoto. That's Honshu. That's the big island of japan okay so but we weren't near we weren't near near hamamatsu no hamamatsu no okay anyway and and back to the story focus i'm sorry guys sorry Sorry. anyway on on so now we're going back to nakamura so no one's knowing about this so now on september 27th nakamura got into an argument with his brother not sure what it was about or anything like that so normal kids may have just like slammed the door loudly or like we used to do we slide like i'm sorry notes under the door Like, oh, I'm sorry about our fight. I love you. But not this guy. So what he does is he grabs a knife and begins to attack his entire family. What? So he ends up stabbing his father, his sister, his brother, his brother's wife, and their child. Oh, my God. And Wow. Well, here's the thing, though. All the family members survived except for his brother who died later that day. So when the police came to question the family, no one came forward to say that it was Nakamura who had attacked them. They were too afraid that he would come back for revenge, so they kept silent. You cannot see my face. My mouth is hanging Can open. you believe that? No, who is going to... It would have been like, what, five against one? Like, well, how did they get... How did he manage to get everyone anyway? Father, sister, brother, brother's they wife. all were afraid? Like, there's something missing. Like, he's doing other things that they're, like, that afraid of him. He's angry. He's an angry boy. Oh, my. So, so, due to lack of the family's cooperation, the police couldn't do anything, and Nakamura was still able to walk freely in the public. And again, the public does not know. They don't know anything. Oh, man. 
So his final murders took place a year after his attack on his family. So on August 30th, 1942, he targeted a young woman and followed her to her home where her husband and three children were waiting for her. When she went inside, he did too and immediately attempted to assault her. Her husband saw this, tried to stop Nakamura, but both he and his wife were fatally stabbed by the young teen. So after that, leaves the four, three, the three kids. So there's still three kids in there. So what he does is he stabs and kills two of them. Oh, no. And the third one, he left her alive. The youngest girl left her alive. He started to sexually assault her, but for some reason he stopped midway and then oh. fled the scene. So I'm not sure why he left her alive. I'm not sure why he, he ran. I don't know what it was. So because, like, because he left her alive, the, she was able to give them the description of him. So... She told him about who killed her family, and that was what led the police to finally arrest him on October 12th in 1942. So he was charged with the murder of nine people and confessed to two additional murders. So bringing his total kill count up to 11, though he was only convicted of the nine. So he admitted to two extra ones. They didn't do anything with it. Wow, that's upsetting for the two victims. True. Plus, um, yeah. Who's to say he even did it, though? I don't know. I mean, he could have confessed, and they were like, no. True, but, I mean, who would know that, you know? I don't know. I don't even yeah. know if they even bothered to look into it. They're like, that's nice. Okay, let's just right, get with that's the nice. Knife. We, need to bring we don't have time for this. Son, we're literally cause... in a war right now. We don't have time for this. Right. So, due to, and then this happened, like, a year later, like a year and a month, due to the shame of what his son had done, his father, Nakamura Fumisada, committed suicide. No! I knew you were about to say yeah. that. Yeah. No. He, yeah. He killed himself on November 11th, 1942. No. How upsetting. Yeah. yeah. So, now here's the next part. So, even though he was under 18 at the time he committed these murders, and I'm going to do my best explaining how this works. So, under Japan's okay. wartime law, Senji Keiji Tokubetsu Ho, so the war detective special law, he was tried as an adult. So, I did my best to figure out the definition of this um, legislation because it was... Hard. I had to translate it because it was oh, okay. only in Japanese and I did a lot of looking for it. So, oh, okay. so let's do this. So the Senji Keiji Tokubetsu Ho was a security legislation that came into effect on February 24th, 1942. So what it did was uh, it, like, the, the act included like temporary punishments during wartime regimes, including harsher punishments and faster criminal trials. So they're like, oh. get him in, get him out. Oh, so yeah. crimes such as arson, rape, theft, extortion, disturbance, so public disturbance, literally, and murder held even greater punishments than if they had been committed during times of peace. So it also restricted... nobody got time for no, that. Like, we like, do not have time for this. We are literally like, fighting for our lives here. Right, can you We not? don't have time to deal with your crap. Yeah. You stole that thing, you're in prison for 20 years. Yeah, bye. That's an exaggeration, but something like right. that. Right, So the act that this, this did, what, it, it restricted the right to appoint counsel, so it wouldn't Ooh. allow the viewing of copying documents, quote, under the pretext of confidentiality, which relaxed restrictions on providing evidence and its intention was to quickly mete out justice and punish those accused of a crime. So it's like, let's go. So the act greatly favored prosecutors and judges in deciding who was guilty and who wasn't and it had a high risk of human rights violations and false accusations. Because it was literally, a lot of it was like word of mouth. Like, that guy did this. Did you? Well, no. Well, it doesn't matter. Like, we gotta go. Whoa. That That may or may not have happened, but I'm okay. saying that could have. Like, that's yeah. how quick they were trying to go. We didn't have time for this. So, right. thankfully, though, it was abolished on January 15th, 1946, shortly after the end of the war. So, mm. it, was, it was literally just during the war. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, revised multiple times during this 
during this period, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it was not fair. Anyway, now I hope I did. I hope I did good. I hope you understood. Yeah. What that did. Oh yeah. Thank you, everyone. So anyway. So anyway, okay. So Nakamura's defense team argued that he was insane. Called upon multiple doctors and witnesses to testify on his oh, behalf. Judge didn't care. He's like, no. Sentenced the 19-year-old to death. Whoa! 19. Whoa. He was 19 years old. I was not expecting that. No. Sentenced to death. And they didn't waste any time. They hanged him in June of 1944. Wow. Done. Get him out of here. We're done. Wow. Now, here is the best freaking thing about this crime. Oh. Nakamura Seisaku was deaf. Stop! Stop it. He was deaf. Boy did all this stuff and he couldn't hear a dang thing. I can't. (laughs) I seriously can't. So the argument with his brother, he didn't hear anything. He's just like, I'm just... I'm signing you. Oh, they were signing at each other. Okay. Yeah, signing. Oh, or he could write it. He was yeah. So that's why he was known as the Hamamatsu Deaf Killer. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't. Right? (laughs) I was so excited. I was like, I'm gonna save that till the freaking end. So he like couldn't hear a thing. Did all this stuff. Couldn't hear a thing. I just. Which is why he was ostracized and like. All that stuff is because he was deaf, so his parents treated him lower. Wow. So he just kind of acted out. Yeah. Whoa. So that, that was Nakamura Seisaku. Oh my goodness. Now. What a twist at the yes. end. That was good. You did a little twisty. Yeah. Oh. I was, that's why I was like, I'm going to save that till the end. Oh I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. That was, yeah, I keep saying like, you can't see my face, but that was the best face. That was great. Out of all of them. Everyone in the room, their reactions were fantastic. I just can't. Literally, mother leaned forward, <laughs> mouth open, like what? It was, I just can't. I can't believe it. Okay. Okay, so he's done. Moving on. All right, double feature. Double feature. Here's number two. Toei Mutsuo. Okay. He is the Tsuyama Mas... Like, this is the Tsuyama Massacre. 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 This is the Massacre. Yeah. Sorry, this is the Tsuyama Massacre. Okay. So, Toei Mutsuo was born on March 5th, 1917 in Okayama in the Chugoku region, which is the westernmost region of Honshu, Japan. So we're still on Honshu. Okay. He was the second child of his parents who both sadly passed away due to tuberculosis. Oh. So then he and his sister were then raised by his grandmother in the small village of, of Kamacho Kurami with a population of less than 100 people. Oh, too small. He got along very well with his family and his childhood was fairly normal. So it wasn't until he was 17, after his sister married and moved out of their home in 1934, that he began socially withdrawing himself, becoming what the Japanese call a hikikomori. Or, oh. you know, there, you know what that is? I, I remember talking about this. Wait, come on. Eh? All right. So he, he it's all right. So he, Kikimori is a shut in. Yeah. Or a recluse. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We talked about this. Recluse. We talked about this. I've heard this before. So he had no friends, no interests such as school or hobbies and no role models to look up to. He had no one. He had his grandma, which he liked. He loved. But he did, however, express interest in the story of Sada Abe, who was a prostitute who strangled her lover, then cut off his genitals in May of 1936. 
So he took to her? He liked he liked the story. He expressed interest in that story. Oh. He didn't ever meet her. Oh, okay. I was no. Like, what? He just had heard about it in the papers and was oh. like, ooh. And I have actually heard of Sadaabe. So I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Oh my goodness. And now I, I'm excited about this part too. So I got to teach you about one of the, um, it's not practiced now, but I had known about it and I got to look a little more into it. So this guy, Toei, I think his name was Toei. Let me double check. Yep, Toei. He took part in an activity called Yobai. Or night crawling. So what yobai is, is an ancient Japanese custom where young unmarried women, or sorry, men, would silently enter the houses of young unmarried women in order to sleep with them. No. Hold on, hold on. They made their intentions known. So it wasn't like they went in to rape them. They went in, made their intentions known, and if the woman consented. Like rang a bell. Well, they hear. No, they came in and woke the woman up and was like, can we do it? And if the woman consented, they copulated, and then the man would be gone by morning. Okay. Interesting. Don't laugh at me. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. When we say do the dirty, they would do the dirty, and then he'd bounce. Did the deed. If the man kept visiting the same woman, and they agreed to make it official. relationship. They would be married. Well, oh, married. Yeah, they would oh. like if he kept going, and the woman was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Done. Marriage. They're done. They're married. Whoa! It's an it's ancient. It's an ancient Japanese custom. Okay. So. Okay. Right, and I gotta remember this and is the early 1900s. Well, this is 1930s. Like this is 1930s, but the, like it was it was starting to die out. So oh, okay. So, but it was, it was actually becoming like, an old practice. But it was like pretty soon. Like okay, he okay. was still doing it. It was still known. And again, they were a small town. A oh, rural, that's rural right. town. That's right. people. So yeah, they did right. a lot of, like, they were still doing that stuff. Well, they're bored. And it was actually pretty common for people to find a husband or a wife this way. So this is what they did. Wow. So, so Mutsuo had many yobai partners, but oh. never settled down with any of them and was about to lose his opportunity at his pick of the litter because when he was 21 years old, he was diagnosed with the same disease that killed his parents, tuberculosis. Oh, bummer. Yeah. So at the time of his diagnosis, there wasn't a cure and no real treatment for TB, so it was always fatal. Bummer. When the town found out about his illness, his yobai partners began denying his advances, and the villagers mocked him and treated him poorly. Oh. Yeah, so his resentment started to grow towards the townspeople and it, over time, and he created a plan to enact his revenge. Uh-oh. So, well, he spilled the beans of his plans to his neighbors and acquaintances, who then informed the police... The cops visited his residence and confiscated his numerous collection of weapons. Oh. But unfortunately, they didn't check well enough because Mutsuo had more weapons than the ones they had seized, and he just went out and purchased more. Yeah. In this town was... of 100 people. I'm not really sure where he went and bought right. it. Right, where did he go? Did he travel the lo- far in a faraway land and come back, or what? Like, he just went to the next town over. Probably. Like, can I buy a couple more? Right, I need some more I lost supplies. the last ones I bought. Oh, my. So then, here we go. On May 20th, 1938, he's going to go through his plans for revenge. So oh. in the early a.m., around 1.30, he cuts the electricity to the village, what? plunges the entire community Stop. of Tsuyama into darkness. That's so scary. So I call it Hamamatsu, but it's really like Tsuyama. So let's just call it Tsuyama right. into darkness. So his first victim was his 76-year-old grandmother. What? Why would he yeah. kill his grandma? She's done nothing but nice things. Well, he later wrote in a letter, he explained that he killed her so she wouldn't have to live with being a, quote, murderer's grandmother. Oh, wow. So he killed her first. He decapitated her with an axe. No. Oh, so, I, I can't. I know. Don't kill your grandmas. No. 
couldn't imagine. No. Then this, he looked like a fool with what he does next. So he he straps two flashlights to his head. Oh, okay. Arms himself with the axe that I told you about, mm-hmm. a brownie shotgun, and a katana, and spends the next 90 minutes going from house to house. Stop He targets it. those he felt wronged him in some way. He chooses to either shoot, stab, or both shoot and stab his victims. Jeez. So of those he attacked, 27 of them like, 27 of them died on the spot. Oh, my God. Two of them died of their wounds later, and three people managed to survive. Their ages ranged from 5 to 86 years. Oh. And I'm like, what part of a 5-year-old wronged you? Right. So, but you're not going to be happy with this next part. No, oh, no. So, when Dawn arrived... I'm already not happy. Yeah. Mutsuo Toei took the gun, shot himself in the chest. Oh, you coward. Yeah. That's so angry. So his rampage ended up killing a total of 31 people, including himself. And that was almost half the entire population of Tsuyama. Wow. That's so upsetting. Several suicide notes were found that he explained his reasonings as to why he decided to do what he did. So he explained his anger at the rejection of the women who no longer wanted to have sex with him, as well as his struggles with his illness and the resentment towards the villagers who mocked and insulted him. So when I was looking him up, and like most, you know how they have like clickbait titles and all that stuff. Sure, sure. Everything about him I could find like, oh, he killed his, he killed people because they wouldn't have sex with him. I'm like, okay, that's not right. There's more quite, to that story. Right. There's I mean, that's that. part of it, yes, because yeah. they stopped, but it was mostly because they wanted nothing to do with him, and he had some mental problems. It yeah. had nothing to do with he couldn't have sex. Right. But um. But he did, he, so he did explain that, he, the whole thing, resentment, all that stuff. He targeted those he had felt slighted him in any way and wrote in his notes that there were a lot more people he wished he could have got around to killing and some that he hadn't wanted to kill at all. So it was probably like, probably some of the kids, I'm sure he didn't mean to, but they were just there in the way. They were there. They were probably just oh. at the house. So he took them out and wow. then there were some he couldn't get around to. So after, the, after him, after he's done, so... The town, so wishing to heal from this senseless attack and erase its dark history, and the fact that over half the residents were dead, the town changed its name, and it's since merged with other cities and towns due to depopulation of the area. So it's no longer a thing. So, to date, Mutsuo's crime is the biggest gun massacre committed by a lone shooter in Japanese history. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So, fun fact about this one, though. So, Mutsuo's done. He's dead. But... A movie titled Ushimitsu no Mura, Village of Doom, was based on the massacre and released in Japan in 1983. In it, actor Masato Furuoya, Furuoya, there you go, strange name, Masato Furuoya stars at Sugio Inumaru, a young woman who go or a young man who goes on a killing spree after not being allowed to serve in the military during World War II when diagnosed with TB. Ironically, Furuoya himself would commit suicide. Just like the real-life person his character portrayed, though not with the same method. So 22 years after the film's release, he hanged himself on March 25th, 2003. What for? I don't know. I couldn't oh, find it. My. I I looked to see why, but, you know, mental illness. That's what for, yeah. honestly. Oh. But I thought that was a little thing where I'm like, what? That's this is freaking, insane. What are the odds? What are the freaking odds? So yeah, so, who do you Furu Oya portrays Mutsuo. 
in that wow. movie. Kills himself. Mutsuo kills I mean, that's himself. That's a heavy movie. I mean, they changed a little bit to make it appropriate. But it's fantastic. That's still crazy. Well, not fantastic. Well, no. <laughs> no, again, we know this is not... It's crazy. It's freaking crazy. Like, things like that. Like, yeah. coincidences and ironies like that just yeah. blow my mind. So I had Me to put too. that in here. I was like, yeah. I got it. So, deaf... And oh, I still can't. I thought I that was be the best. That forever. I'm like, <laughs> what? He was. Oh, my. I thought that was the best freaking t- twist, and I'm so glad I waited till the end because your guys' face was that fantastic. That was a good twisty. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that was Nippon, everyone. I'm, I, I was super excited about it. I can't wait to go back. I'll probably put it further down the road. But yeah. I was smiling. I would like to go back. It I was, was smiling the whole time like a little schoolgirl as I was typing these out because I'm like, we're in Japan. I get explain what yobai is. I get explain yep. <laughs> what, <laughs> what like the coastal I'm like, Honshu is, you know, she's a little prefecture. I'm like, it's kind of like this. <laughs> and I got to learn some stuff too. So it was really fun. Wow. But anyway, that was my double feature. I double hope y'all beach. liked it. I know Sarah liked it. Yes. Yep. I know Mama liked it. I yes. know India liked it. We all liked it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you like us enough, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at a long crime ago. And then if you want to write to us, you know, give us a little love notes or constructive criticism, mm-hmm. we have a Gmail too. Yep. Uh, a long crime ago at gmail.com. Anyway, uh, next week is Sarah, so look forward to that. It's me. It's been great talking to y'all, and we will see you next time. See ya. Goodbye.